I've, uh, I've spoken a poem, it's called Times, Place, Paces, and this is what it says. When as a child I left, I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I waxed more bold, time strolled. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find, in passing on, time gone. You know, men can do many things today. Incredible things. What a blessing that is. Wow. Men can do many things these days. We can keep our hearts going, keep the mind going, when we seem to be dead. But what we can't do, we cannot stop time passing on, can we? <laughs> we can't do it. We can't stop time going on. And we talk about the passing in time, but it's often just a fleeting remark. But it's, it's never really a hot topic conversation, is it? I had a wonderful time at the wedding last week. I was able to sit with a lady, Nigel's mum, Mary, 86. And she really spoke to my heart about her time, what she does with it, and how she copes on her own day by day, helping others, and that, helping a, another lady, 95 across the road, driving her to her appointments for the doctors and things like that. Wow. You know, James says, show me your faith, and I will show you my works, my faith by my works. You know how quickly time's gone. We've moved from the crisis of the pandemic to another crisis of war. And that's what life does, isn't it? We seem to move from one crisis to another crisis, it seems. Let me tell you, Every day is a crisis for some people. Every day is a crisis for some people. My mom just prayed for uh, a lady who was bereaved in, in Hairswood. And uh, I shouldn't be speaking today. Heath was coming down to speak to us but uh, on Friday night he was he was fighting with himself whether or not he should come down or whether he should stay at the fellowship and be there for, for brothers and sisters who might be struggling 
And I just said, don't worry, you, you do what you want to do. So unfortunately, you've got me. You know, three years for me has gone very quickly. Three years ago, me and Jackie, we attended the wedding of a nephew in America. And it seems like yesterday. And while we were there, we met this uh, couple called uh, Andy and Karen, very, very wealthy man. And they were the grandfather and grandmother of the bride at that time. And Karen was a lovely lady, absolutely lovely lady, really hospitable, generous to a fault maybe. Obviously the matriarch of the family, quiet, unassuming, but clearly in charge. You know those kind of people, don't you? Clearly in charge. Everyone had looked to her and speak to her and go to her and ask her. A bit like my mum, when we lived at home, everyone would end up coming to my house. I felt like throwing them all out, but they were all there because my mum was there. Andy was a very friendly man. And from the stories that I heard, a very generous man although wealthy. And they had both worked really hard to get to that point over the years. Andy had started as a cleaner in his own business, cleaning toilets. And Andy told me, he said, Paul, he said, I've made a decision. I'm going to semi-retire. I'm only going to work two months, sorry, two weeks out of each month. And two weeks I'm going to spend with my wife. Me and Karen are going to spend time together. This was three years ago. And I thought, wow, what a, what a wise man to, to make that decision. He's... Uh, He's actually four years older than me, he'd be 72 now, he was 69 then. You could see, actually, they were very close. And um, about, must be a year ago, is that right, Jack? Yeah, about a year ago. Karen died, a small part of it as well. But with all that money, he took it all over the States to the best doctors you could find. But there was nothing he could do, and Karen eventually died. While we were there, I'd spoken to Andy you know, he heard I had a few garages, which I don't have really have garages, I just have the name of a garage, and I rent that name out, but he thought I had garages, and uh, we spoke, he had a, a dealership, a Chevy dealership, and a Chevrolet dealership, so we spoke, and, and I, he knew I was a pastor at the time, and uh, obviously we started talking about the Lord, and he said he believed, 
And I shared with them, I've shared this with a couple of people already in church, so please, you know, just bear with me. I shared with him. We went back to the States this year, and uh, while we were there, we went for a meal. He took me to this big house that he just bought for $2.2 million on this island. Jill knows the island, but an incredible place. And uh, While we were there, we went into this cafe, and he leaned over, and uh, me and Jackie were sitting there, and he said these words to me. He said, Paul, remember what you said to me? I said quite a few things. Can't remember what I said yesterday, never mind what I said three years ago. He said, you said to me, you know, believing was one thing. He said, but you needed a touch from the Lord. He said, well, he touched me. It's a millionaire. He said, Jesus touched me while I was in the shower, but naked. He said, and I was standing in the shower thinking, look how well I've done. He said, and he come and told me, you haven't done nothing, I've done it all for you. He told me it wasn't me, it was all him, that's what he said. I'm going to read you this scripture. I want you to just have a quick listen to it. It's the parable of the sower. It says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. So much so, he got in a boat and sat down. And the crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered and died. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then he said this, He who has ears, let him hear. I wonder if you hear. I wonder if you can hear this morning. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is going to come and touch you. And sometimes it's such a piercing touch that you can, you can remember exactly that moment in time when he touched you. 
just like that man. And then there's other times when he comes, this Holy Spirit, and he, he touches you so gently that you don't know you've been touched. But later on, you look back and you see you've changed and now you trust him and have faith. You don't just believe in him, but you trust him. And that's called faith. And you can see that because that faith has taken root and your life has changed. You see, that seed of touch has been cemented inside you, in your heart. Cemented to Jesus alone. I wonder this morning, are you the good ground? You see, the good ground is where faith rests. Where it takes root. And then nutrients grow in. Go in. Nutrients. You feed it. And it starts to grow. The thing is, how do you get the nutrients? How do you get these, these nutrients in the ground so that your faith will grow? It's hearing about Jesus. That's the nutrients. Hearing about Jesus. Where can you hear about Jesus? You can hear it anywhere by listening to his word. The word that comes out of that Bible. It says, and when, when that faith has gone in, and you hear that word, you start to grow in faith. It's weird and it goes in. And it begins to change your heart. And your heart changes your mind. Instead of your mind changing your heart, your heart changes your mind. And the decisions you start to make are right decisions instead of wrong decisions. Are you the good ground? You know what? Like Andy, you can be touched today. See, you can come to Jesus. You can give up your arrogance when you think you're, you're not a bad person and yet you've lied and yet as a youngster you may have stolen something. You've taken the Lord's name in vain. You've thought wrong things about people. You see, and just quickly, you, you can realize, listen, am I that good when I'm a liar, a thief, and a blasphemer? Because that's what we are. You know, everyone, I don't care who you are, Everyone except Jesus has done wrong and sinned not just once or twice, many times. You see, when we were created, Jesus created us good, good. 
And any of our good deeds are what Jesus expects us to be like. So you see, our good deeds are what Jesus expects. We can't pay for the bad deeds we do. There's no balance where, you know, if we do more good than, than bad, we go to heaven. If we do more bad than good, we go to heaven. No. You can't pay for your sin. You know, in John's Gospel, it says this, All the Father gives me will come to me. And if whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. What he's saying, if you want to come to Jesus and ask him to forgive you, he will not chase you away. He'll forgive you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. Whether you think it was a little sin, whether it was murder. Very quickly, I heard a, an Irishman from the IRA give his testimony. He'd murdered a number of people. One day, like, like Andy, he was in the shower. God come and spoke to him, changed his life. And he went round telling everyone what he'd done, how God had forgiven him, and that Jesus was the answer. Touched in the shower. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Isn't it? He can touch you anywhere. I shared about, you know, a great testimony. We've got a man and a wife at the back. One touched in a chip shop and one touched so gently she didn't know until she looked back that she'd been touched and she, she got baptised and everything. That's the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to Andy. See, here we have a man who believes he's been touched by the Saviour of the world. 72 now. What he won't know is let me tell you, you know, for the rest of his life, he's going to be in a battle. I was talking to Cain yesterday about the battle of our flesh and the battle of our spirit for Jesus. He's going to be in a battle. Is his ground good enough? I don't know. Has it been fertilized or given the nutrients? So that gift will take root, that touch will take root. I don't know. My dilemma in this instance is how can I help him? He's three and a half thousand miles away from me. You know, a week hasn't gone by when I haven't thought about him and prayed for him. See, I'm caught with Scripture that says to me in 1 Thessalonians, He urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. That's what I have to do. It's what you have to do, you believers. You know, I understand Andy's grief at losing his wife. 
My mum will know it. If you've lost your partner, you'll know it. You see, for a long time, he'll wake up each day and the first thing on his mind will be his wife. But after a time, he'll wake up and it'll be the second thing on his mind. And then after a time, it'll be the third and the fourth and the fifth until eventually he'll wake up and he'll have some relief from the grief he's feeling. But he'll never forget. There's some like me. They marry again. And their life becomes, will have some normality. And they'll have that precious companionship. We take so much for granted. Let me tell you. He said, I'm not a good reader. So I have to find time. I have to get some options for him. I have to keep in touch somehow. I have to be patient with him. You see, help the weak Encourage the faint-hearted. Be patient with them all. You know, I don't know why bad happens. Do you, do you know why bad happens? I don't. Why we suffer. I don't know whose fault it is. But I tell you this. I do know someone who loves and cares enough for us that he is willing to come down and get involved in our suffering. The man who died on that cross. You see, Jesus didn't abandon us. He, he left us the comforter. You know what? When, when a, what a beautiful name that is. We, we don't take that in, do we? He left us, listen to this, the comforter. You know when we're suffering, when we're grieving, he's left us the comforter. He left the Holy Spirit who would help us have this unique, this special, this wonderful relationship with God. One that would change your life forever, that you'll never be the same person. Yet your decisions would become better. You see, the church here, you and me, we're, if you like, his tradesmen and tradeswomen. And he gave us beautiful feet. So we can take his beautiful message and we can take the good news to others. You see, some of us are joiners. 
Some foundation workers. Some are called to fix the broken. Some of us are cooks. Some of us are cleaners. But every one of us, he says, he's given us a world-class gift. A world-class gift with beautiful feet to share the good news that Jesus Christ cares for you and me. He came to die that the lost would be found. And saved. And given an amazing, incredible home in heaven. Let me read that scripture that Stephen read again. And I want you to think about the home in heaven. In those days, after that tribulation, which means trouble, after the trouble, the sun will be darkened and the moon won't give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather, listen to what he says, and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. He will gather those who have faith in him, who believe in him, who trust him, to come and gather them. Not because we're good, because we're not, but because of His grace and His goodness, His love that He's poured out on us. That awful day is coming. His church will be gathered I wonder if today, I wonder if today you believe it. And if you believe it, are you prepared to put your trust in Him? Or are you going to rely on that balance of being good enough that He says you're never going to be good enough? Are you going to rely on the balance? Are you going to give him your heart? Are you going to bow the knee? Are you going to let him touch you and change you? That you will have that mansion in heaven, that home in heaven. And we call it a mansion because it's indescribable. It's the biggest thing we can imagine. It's the greatest thing we can imagine. I'm going to read you this little verse. This is what it says in Romans 1 verse 29. It says it quite often. 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, the qualities of God that you cannot see, they're invisible, okay? That's when he takes care of you, when you don't know it. That's when. How can we see these incredible qualities of him? He says this, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He's saying, just look out there, the beautiful trees, the beautiful sea, the beautiful dawn, the sun rising of a morning, the beauty. You see, there's a thing called intelligent design. I don't know about you, but I've heard about the... Uh, I don't know whether you've seen that movie, Doctor Strange, and the, the, the different universes and things like that. The girls have got me looking at some crazy stuff at the moment. But you know what? I want to tell you this before I go. I'm nearly finished. Just a couple of minutes. Nothing, sorry, something can't be made from nothing. So when you hear these people saying, oh, well, it came from the gas. Listen, the gas came from God, if you like. Oh, we came from aliens. Listen, aliens needed God to start. Oh, it's the multi-universes and one of them at a, whatever it is, it needed an intelligent designer. You see, on that awful day when Jesus comes back, if you don't put your trust in him, you will be without excuse. I'm around here this morning. Nigers, Deepakers, Beckyers, Chillers, lots. I'm not going to go through everyone's name. We're around. If you want to speak to someone, come and speak to them. I'm here. If God's touching you this morning, you may think you're a believer, you may think you're a Christian, but if God's touching you this morning, come and speak to me. Speak to one of us, speak to someone. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. Amen.